0: Well, good morning, Soul City Church. How you doing this morning? I'm good. Those of you who are gathered here, those of you who are online, uh, my name is Jarrett Stevens, and I get to follow that. I mean, I, call, I heard her do that at the last service. I'm like, really? What? I have a message. He's like, I don't know. What am I going to say? You know, love God more. Try and sin less. I don't know. Like, you know, like, let's go. We're all, we're all going to Kenya. Like, let's, uh, that's all... That's all I got. But I'm I'm so glad you're here. And and again, for those of you watching online, um, God's doing so many uh, amazing things in and through this church. And I am so grateful. I know Jeannie as well. We are so grateful to be a part of what God's doing here. And I just need to say it. Jeannie said it. I need to say it again. You are some of the most generous people I've ever been around. You are a generous church. You need to know that. If you're new around here, you need to know these are generous people. And I'm so grateful to be a part of, to pastor a generous church. I wouldn't do well with a stingy church, I just get frustrated all the time. But y'all are so generous. And you look at your stuff as a gift from God, and you look at opportunities to give it back to God, to invest in the lives of others, to make it bigger than what it could do if it was just up to you. And I am so grateful for you. And that's why for us it's easy. When we pause and take a time out of our gathering every week to respond to God's goodness and faithfulness by giving back to him, it's easy for me to lead you into that because you already do it. You already model that. And so in a moment, we're going to take a time to respond to just that, to God's goodness. We give joyfully and regularly around here because it not only extends the work of this church, but it does, like I said, a deeper work in us. And we are so grateful for the spirit of generosity that is real and tangible in this church. So I'm going to ask our amazing host team to come forward uh, right now. These are incredible volunteers. They're going to pass out buckets. And if you like to give that way, uh, that's awesome. You can do that. You can text in to give. The number should uh, pop up behind me at some point. And then you can also go online and give that way as well. You can go online Soul Solstice Church and set it up to give. If you're a guest around here, We do not expect you to give. I want to be really clear about that. We don't expect you to give. But I do expect you to pay attention to what generosity looks like in real time with real people. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, Soul City Church. As Jeannie mentioned, I'm kicking off a brand new uh, teaching series. And this is actually going to be one of the longest teaching series we've done in a while. This is going to go straight up to and through Easter. And the idea is to prepare our hearts, kind of to till the spiritual soil of our lives to prepare us for Easter, to really be able to see and celebrate all that God has done that we mark with uh, Easter. And one of the things that we're going to do is look at this little phrase that comes from the most, perhaps the most famous prayer in the world. We're going to look at this little phrase that that maybe you might have missed or is easily forgotten and we're going to camp out there for the next six weeks. How many of you grew up praying the Lord's Prayer? Maybe you've prayed it before, you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Right, a ton of folks, right? So a lot of us know that. Well, there's a little line in there that I want us to pay attention to, and it's gonna kind of set the framework for this teaching series. It's found in Matthew chapter six. You don't have to turn there right now. Matthew chapter six, verse nine. Jesus prays this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What are the next couple lines? On earth as it is in heaven. Now, maybe you kind of said that or sang that if you grew up in that kind of church, went to that kind of church, you sang that, and never even thought twice about what the impact of that prayer. On earth, as it is in heaven, that it should look the same down here as it actually looks up there. On earth, as it is in heaven. In other words, in Chicago, as it is in heaven. In Muala, Kenya as it is in heaven. Jesus' prayer was that this place would look like that place and that your life would actually be a glimpse of heaven. Because if we're being really honest, if I'm being really honest, all of us need a bigger and better perspective for our lives. How many of us get stuck in the day-to-day, all the stress and pressure of life, and your perspective can get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and we need a bigger and better perspective. Anyone else here need one? I know I do. You think about it, think about how fixated you can get on your own little perspective, your own little lens. Like, um, I'm not going to have you raise your hands on this, but my hunch is maybe there's someone at your work that you don't get along with well. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe you work by yourself and you still don't get along with the people you work with. I don't know, (laughs) right? But, But maybe there's someone at work. And when you think about them, right, you think about them, all you think about is the things they do that bug you. And the more and more you think about it, the more and more you begin to see those things that bug you. And all you see is that work out there, they did it again, or they did it again. You see, that, that becomes your perspective, and then that becomes all that you see. Or maybe for you, you've been in a time where things were tight financially, or maybe you're in a, a time where things are really tight financially right now. And all you can see is scarcity. There's not enough, there's not enough, there's not enough. And then all you begin to see are all the bills and bills and bills and bills that come in. You're getting bills for things you don't even know if you bought or not, right? It just seems like there's more and more bills when all you see is that you don't have enough. True? Like for me, when I get locked into my kind of perspective, it happens in lots of different ways. But for me, one of the ways it happens regularly is when I'm driving here in the city. I have a perspective, a worldview, if you will, that no one in the city knows how to drive right. That I'm the only one that knows how to drive right. And everyone else, if they could just learn from me, we'd all get along swimmingly. There would be no traffic in this city. And so I get locked in my perspective and, you know, someone will kind of cut me off or someone will get upset or or they'll kind of get, I'll let them into my land. They don't give me the wave. How could you not give me the wave? This is common practice, right? And I just, I just think, oh, they didn't use their turn signal. Oh, they don't know how to stop. Like that's just my perspective. And that begins to be all that I see because the truth about us is that we often only see what we seek. We are only limited. All we can see is what we seek. And we seek only what we can see. Let me say that again. We often only see what we're looking after, what we're seeking. And we tend to only seek or to go after the things of this world that we can actually see. Our lives are a reflection of our limited perspective. They're reflective of our limited perspective perspective. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to open it up a little bit more, give us a bigger and better glimpse to begin to look at what our everyday lives might look like if it were here as it is in heaven. And specifically today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the language of heaven. You know, there's a language to heaven that's spoken in heaven and how you can actually grow in your fluency to speak the language echoed throughout eternity. And so Uh, We're going to be diving into that. Now, if we're going to be looking at heaven for the next couple weeks, I think it would be important for us to know a little bit about heaven. And yet the truth is, if we're being really honest, as Jeannie just had us talk a little bit ago, we don't actually know a lot about heaven. The reality is that the majority of heaven remains a mystery. There's just a ton about heaven we don't know. And no one's really gone there and come back to tell us about it except for a few kids who got uh, great book deals but other than that other than them other than them we don't really know what it's actually like but the truth is you actually know more about it than you might think And to do that, I want you to to, to kind of get a glimpse of what's really going on in heaven, specifically the language of heaven. I want you to grab a Bible, and I want you to go all the way to the right and open to Revelation chapter 5. We're going to Revelation today. We don't often preach of Revelation, but we're going to go there today. Revelation chapter 5, all the way to the right. In the Soul City Bible, it's page 994. So if you don't have a Bible with you, there's a Bible waiting for you right under your seat. Grab it and turn to page 994. We're going to the book of Revelation to get a glimpse of, to understand what's going on in heaven and how we can learn to speak the language of heaven. Let me give you some quick context as to the book of Revelation. It was a letter actually written by one of Jesus' disciples. His name is John. He wrote a couple letters, or books as we now call them, in the New Testament. This was written towards the end of his life as he was in exile. He was kind of imprisoned because of his faith. And while there, he had a vision. God gave him a vision and gave him a glimpse into heaven. Pretty significant deal. Now, There's a couple different ways people tend to uh, interpret this book. Some people look at the book of Revelation as just a prophetic prediction of how the world is going to end and then be made new again by God. And they base a lot of their theology and sell a lot of books on that basis. Uh, I, I was a kid that grew up in the 80s. In fact, I was a church kid in the 80s, so that's a double whammy. And I remember there were a lot of books came out based on this book of Revelation that talked about how the world will end. In fact, one I specifically remember was a book called 88 Reasons the World Will End in 1988. (laughs) So I don't think he was right, but I think we're all still here, right? So a lot of people take it and interpret it that way, and for good reason. Other people interpret this as a reflection on the current cultural context of the Roman Empire of John's day. And that there's a lot of imagery and language used. That is confusing, to say the least. But that it's painting more of a current picture with some future glimpses as we're about to read today. Regardless of how you interpret the book of Revelation or read through it, um, it's a weird one. I'll just put it out there. But it gives, at several moments, John is given a glimpse of heaven. And that's what we want to focus on and look at today. Revelation chapter 5, specifically verse 11. Let's look at this glimpse of heaven John was given so that we can learn how to speak the language of heaven. Then he says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering, now look at the math here, thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. In other words, too many to count. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb, that's Jesus, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then he says, I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and what? Worshiped. Now, of all the mystery of heaven, there is something that is very clear. What is going on all the time in heaven? Worship. God is being worshiped. God is being worshiped over and over and again and again. All of heaven is declaring the worthiness, the holiness, the goodness of God. And did you see the language that was just uh, caught up there in that continuous refrain that they kept repeating throughout eternity? The language of worthy, God, you are so worthy of all of my praise. Glory, God, I want to revel in your goodness honor, praise, just worthy, glory, honor, praise, being cast down on God from everyone throughout all of heaven, even from all the animals, he said. I don't know what that means, but all the animals praising God, every living creature saying, worthy, glory, honor, and praise. And I want you to notice what we just read in Revelation 5 there. They are worshiping God not because of what he has done, They're not waiting for God to do something until they praise him. They're worshiping God simply because he is. They're just worshiping God for who he is. They're not waiting for God to move so that they can be moved. They just worship worthy, glory, honor, praise, casting it down on God throughout all of eternity. Now, that's not typically how we work, right? Lots of times we need to be moved before we move. Like think about you ever been to a really good fireworks show? Like a really good fireworks show, right? <laughs> I hope you have. I think it's important for everyone's life. And uh, we go to uh, the Oak Park fireworks show. for whatever. We just love that one. We sit out in the tennis courts. A bunch of us go there and watch it. And I love it. And it's a fantastic show. And you know that moment where it gets at the end, where they spend like two-thirds of the budget on the last 60 seconds? You know that part of the fireworks? And they're just all going. And people start going nuts and cheering and screaming, right? That's a human response. i moved, and so I will move. Right? I've seen what you've done, and so I'll do it. That's what we tend to do. We wait to see something that's been done, and then we say something about it or t- t- take a concert, right? I mean, Beyonce comes out for her third encore, right? And people start going nuts, but then Jay-Z comes out and joins her and they do crazy in love for the last encore and people go absolutely nuts and insane over that. That's a human response. We see something that's been done and then we say something about it. That's not actually what's going on in heaven. They're not waiting for God to do anything to give him worship and and, and glory and honor. They're just worshiping him because he is. You're God. And so that's enough. It's a whole different kind of mindset. This this is not praising God because the fireworks show was so good. This is praising God because we live in a world where fireworks exist. And they're awesome. This is praising God that we live in a world where music exists. This is praising God that we live in a world where Portillo's chocolate cake exists. We get to live in this world, a world where Beyonce actually married Jay-Z, and they're putting humans into the world. I just worship God just simply because I get to be in the world he created. I worship him because he didn't have to do a thing. That's what's going on in heaven. You don't have to do a thing, God. And I'm still going to worship you. And I'm still going to praise you, whether or not things go my way, still I will worship you simply because you are. That's what's going on in heaven. That's because worship is, I believe, worship is heaven's native tongue. Worship is heaven's native tongue. It's what's spoken there. It's in the, it's the very atmosphere of heaven. Worship is the resting state of heaven. That's just what is going on at all times. And worship is what actually gives you and me a bigger and a better perspective. So if that's what's going on there, how can that begin to happen more around here? How can that be true of of my life and of your life? How do you become more fluent in the language of heaven, in your everyday life as it is in heaven? Well, think of it this way. Um, how many? It, raise your hand if you had to take uh, a foreign language in school at some point. Raise your hand if you ever studied or took as an elective a foreign language. Awesome. So, a ton of people. Okay. So, everyone who just raised their hand that took some class or semester or a couple semesters of a foreign language, raise your hand if you are still speaking that language fluently today. Cool. So, the eight of you. All right. Cool. <laughs> cool. 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 Now, some people have grown up, you, maybe you grew up in a home where you have to know two languages, right? There's one that's spoken at home, and then there's one that's spoken at school or out in the world or with your friends. And so you, just, you didn't have a choice. It wasn't an elective. It was mandatory. You just had to figure it out. But for a lot of people, uh, you took it as an elective. It's a thing that you studied in school and hoped maybe one day to use on vacation, right? I took three years of Spanish. I love the Spanish language. I took three years of it and uh, learned a lot about it, but it wasn't until I was a restaurant that I was working in when I was in college, and specifically, there were two guys that worked at this restaurant, two brothers from Zacatecas, Mexico, that took it upon themselves to be my formal educators. And they taught me real Spanish. Like, they taught me stuff I can't say in church. I mean, they taught me like... And they would only speak to me in Spanish. I don't know, they just thought it was really cute, this little white kid. And so they would only speak to me in Spanish. So anytime I needed something from them, they would make me say it in Spanish. And again and again and over and over, every time I went to work, every time I... And I love these guys. They were hilarious. Cracked me up, at least the jokes I understood. Cracked me up. (laughs) I think most of them were about me. But anyway, and I loved... And so what happened is the two years that I worked with them, that's where I really, really, really learned Spanish. Why? Because I was speaking it regularly with them. And that's how it grew. That's how my fluency actually grew and improved with them. It wasn't from sitting in a class. It wasn't from reading it in a book. It came from consistently, often clumsily, speaking it with them. And not surprisingly, not long after I left that job and didn't see those two brothers regularly, my fluency in Spanish became, how shall we say... um, Muy uh, mal—that's Spanish for very bad. Still got it. So you get how that works, right? You get how that works. The same is true of worship. The same is true of your native tongue. The more regularly you speak it, the more fluent you become. The more natural it becomes to you. I mean, try and imagine learning a language. Try and imagine learning a language, a second language. But you only worked on it for 30 minutes once a week. How fluent do you think you would become? Is that a great strategy? No, that's not a great strategy. That's because fluency is tied to frequency. The more and more consistently you use it, the more comfortable and natural it actually becomes to you. Same is true of worship. Now, does that mean that you need to go about your life in a constant state of singing all the time? Maybe, probably not totally, but maybe, wouldn't hurt. I mean, that's one way of worshiping God. I think it would actually be really fun in the next staff meeting if you just, in the middle of the meeting, just went, I'll raise a hallelujah. The presence of my enemies, I'm talking to you. Right, like that would be... That would be fun. I don't know if that would help the cause of Christ in the world, but it would be fun. It would be fun, right? You can do it on the L. Other people are singing on the L. Just join them. So so yes, you could go around in a constant state of singing worship to God, and maybe that would be a helpful uh, discipline to you. But I think what's more important is to remember that singing is a form of worship and a powerful one, one that's been practiced for thousands of years, one that Jesus himself actually practiced and we saw in the passage earlier that's what's going on in heaven but that's not all that's going on in heaven yes they are singing but they're also declaring they're just naming who God is and giving him worship for it worship is so much more than just the songs that we sing simply put worship is my whole self responding to a holy God that's it sometimes it's a song lots of times it's not it's just my whole self responding to, reacting to a holy God. So that's my, my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. That's my thoughts, my words, my actions, my emotions. Just responding to God in real time, to a holy God in real time. Just simply seeing and saying, yes, God, yes, I see you, God. Yes, I love you, God. Yes, I bless you, God. Yes, I choose you, God. Yes, God, that's all I'm gonna do. And sometimes it'll be big and powerful and emotional and sometimes it'll be small and short and simple. It can happen the moment that your your feet hit the floor. You just get up in the morning and your feet hit the floor and right there in that moment, you can say, oh, God, yes, thank you, God. You are sustaining, God. You brought me through the night. You've given me another day. God, you don't have to do another thing. I'm here. I made it. Thank you, God. And all throughout your day, as you see God, you just say, yes, God. My whole self is going to respond to a holy God, to who you are. And then at the end of the day, as your head hits the pillow, you can say, yes, God, you were faithful to me. Yes, God, you are so patient with me. Yes, God, you are so kind to me. God, yes, I see you. And I'm going to say something. About it. It's it's like living in an ongoing state of awareness of the presence of God. It's an ongoing state of awareness of the presence of God. And I've found that one of the the easiest and most authentic ways to do that is something that I believe every single one of us can do, to grow our, our fluency in the language of heaven. Now I know for some of you when it comes to worship, specifically to singing songs of worship, specifically to singing songs of worship here on Sunday, you come ready to play. Like, you show up here ready to play. Like, you are ready. You, like, give yourself some room. I need to have a seat here and a seat here because there's going to be motions and there's going to be hands. I need a rope-off a section for me to dance. Like, some of y'all show up, and I love it. I'm with you. That's why I sit over here. I got a whole dance floor all to myself over here. I'm with you. It's easy for me to just get caught up and to worship God with my body and with my heart and with my soul when we're worshiping here together. Some of you are not necessarily wired that way. That's just not, that's not how you express Uh, yourself in the world. That might feel a little foreign or a little clumsy to you. And so what I want to offer you is a simple, authentic way that you can just practice speaking the language of heaven throughout your everyday life to bring heaven here to earth. And it's a really short prayer that anyone can pray. Here's what it is. God, you are. God, you are. You think you can do that? I mean, like, I don't know how to pray. I'm kind of new to this. I bet you can say that. God, you are. God, you are. And then, fill in the blank. God, you are, whatever it is, God, you are so patient with me. Oh, God, I am not patient with myself. I'm not patient with my kids. God, you're so patient with me. God, you are so kind to me. Oh, God. There's a thousand reasons why you should have turned your back on me, God, but you are so kind to me. God, you're so faithful to me. God, I, don't e- I can't even see tomorrow. I don't even know how I'm going to get through today, but I can look back and see your faithfulness in my life. God, you don't even have to do another thing for me. You've done enough already. You're faithful. God, you are faithful. God, you are so generous. God, you are so loving. One of the ones that I love is when I see something in creation. I see a beautiful sunset. You know, Or maybe, you know that golden hour here in the city where the sunset hits all the, the buildings, hits the skylight? Isn't that beautiful? He didn't have to do that. It's science. It's the sun and the moon and the earth and the rotation. We don't, it doesn't have to be pretty. But God is so creative. And so he said, God, you are so creative. God, you are the master artist. You created this beautiful moment. Maybe you get outside the city and you see a living thing like a tree. Or... Some, <laughs> bush or some little patch of grass, right? And you just go, oh God, you're so creative. It didn't have to be this beautiful. But you are, you are, you are, God, you are. That is how we become fluent in the language of heaven. That's what's going on in heaven right now. Do you know that? God, you are worthy. God, you are holy. God, you are above everything else. God, you are, God, you are, God, you are. are. We get to practice that here and now. That's what's going on in Moala, Kenya right now. Why else could children dance in the face of death and extreme poverty? How else is that even possible without a bigger perspective? God, you are, God, you are, God, you are. And so I think that is a way for us, for our church to grow this week. And I love when we come together here. I think it's important when we come together here to worship. But I'm not talking about Sundays. I'm talking about every other day. Like when you're at work, you know, you're like, God, I, God, I hate this job. Or, or I don't like this part of my job. Or, God, I don't like that I don't have a job. And then when you find yourself getting kind of stuck in that perspective, and that's all that you see, to be able to simply say, but God, you are my help in times of trouble you are. Maybe the pain of this world, as you think about the things you're going on with, the loneliness you're going on with, the diagnosis that just came into your family, that you're going, I don't know how we're going to be able to handle this. Maybe it came into your life. And as you kind of sit and that becomes your perspective, all you can see is the pain that you feel. Even in the midst of that, you can say, but God, you are close to the brokenhearted." And you've promised to bind up every one of my wounds. You are a healer, God. You are a restorer, God. See, in the midst of it, I don't have to wait till Sunday. I don't have to wait till God moves. In the midst of it, I get to speak the language of heaven. I don't have to wait till it all works out. In the midst of a storm, I can even say, oh, but God, you promised you will carry me through. God, you said if you care about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how much more so will you take care of me? Because that's who you are. You're a father, God. You're a perfect parent. So God, you are. God, you are. Can you imagine what might begin to shift if you and I begin to do that in our everyday lives? Again, sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's a sentence. That's enough. But every time you do, you bring heaven into the here and now. You grow your fluency in the language spoken throughout eternity. You get a glimpse of something greater than you bigger better perspective and when you do that and when i do that and then we come together and do this this is just the culmination of all of that you know that right this isn't the point this is just a part it's the culmination of you and i trying as best we can in our everyday lives to say god you are god you are god you are and then when we come together it's just that much sweeter when we come together for a moment like this. So I wanna wanna help our church grow as best we can. I wanna grow in the language of heaven. And so I have a a three-part homework assignment for you. I know that sounds like a lot, but it's like one of them you're gonna get done in the next three minutes, okay? So that's easy. We're gonna do it in class. But it's a three-part homework assignment. First part homework assignment. You might wanna jot this down. First part of the homework assignment is simply this. This week, will you practice praying the God you are prayer? And wherever you need to, wherever you find yourself, maybe it will be in the morning for you. Maybe it will be at night for you all throughout the day. Maybe while you're brushing your teeth, that's a time. for you just, The whole time you're brushing, God, you are this. God, you are that. You just declare who he is. Can you do that? Can you practice that this week and see what begins to shift about your perspective of this life? That's the first little one. I use the, for me, what helps is I have a, um, an app called Mind Jogger, and uh, we're not sponsored by them. And um, I have it randomly Ten times throughout the day, from when I wake up to when I go to bed, ten times throughout the day, it pops up on my phone real big and says, God, you are. That's my little prompt to go wherever it pops up in that moment. I'm going to say, God, you are this. God, you are that. Just shift my perspective. That's part one. Part two is this Wednesday night, we're actually gathering together for Ash Wednesday. Very important. As we kick off this season leading up, this Lenten season leading up to Easter, we're going to gather here on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for an Ash Wednesday worship night. We're going to receive the ash together, and we're also going to receive communion together. It is a powerful time, interactive, experiential, meaningful time of worship for our church. That's part two to your homework assignment. Show up here Wednesday night. Here's the fun part. If you have kids, child care is provided. We want you to be here. So just show up, all right? You're not going to regret it. I promise you, you will not regret it. Again, it's kind of a culmination thing. We're going to gather together as we're worshiping God throughout the week to worship him here on Wednesday night. Don't miss our Ash Wednesday celebration. And then part three, you ready for it? Express your worship to God over this next song that we're going to sing. Let these words become your words. Let this song become your song. Make it your personal declaration to God. The fun part is someone already wrote the words out for you. So you just now follow along and bring your heart to it. Bring your whole self to respond to a holy God. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to worship God together. We're going to practice speaking the language of heaven together. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get a glimpse together of heaven here on earth that we'll experience in this time together, just a glimpse of what it's like in heaven. So Would you open your hands and open your heart? I want to give you a chance to even get a little head start on your homework. We're just going to take a couple seconds right now. I want you just to start saying that, God, you are prayer. And I want you to, here's the thing, I want you to say it out loud, okay? Now, you don't need to yell it unless you want to. You don't need to. But just begin to say, God, you are. Whatever it is that comes to your heart that wells up within you, maybe think about your day, think about this last week. Maybe you just need to go, God, I just need to be reminded you're faithful, God, that you are good. And I want you to out loud just tell them, God, you are, God, you are. I'm gonna join you and then I'll lead you and we're gonna respond together in worship. Make sense? So together, let's just begin to say, God, you are, God, you are, and you fill in the blanks. God, you are so patient with me. Thank you, God. And God, you are so faithful to me, God. You've never once forgotten me. You've never left or forsaken or abandoned me. God, you are so generous. beyond, beyond, beyond anything I could imagine or deserve. God, you are. God, you are my provider. You always have been. And God, you are. We could fill in the blanks. And God, we don't even have to fill in the blanks. We could just simply say, God, you are. And that's enough. You exist. You are here, God. You are more than we can even put words to. And so, God, we want to lift up, we want to raise up our hallelujah to you in this moment and, God, in every little moment throughout our life to just simply recenter, reframe our lives to say, God, you are here and you are good, holy, worthy, deserving of all honor and praise. Help us, God, to learn the language of heaven and to practice it in this place and in our everyday lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.